Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? It's Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, how is it going? My name's Kyle Haywood, and I'm super excited about today's episode. There's been a lot of basketball being played. Uh, we are recording on a Monday night. We were going to record Sunday, but we thought, hey, why not celebrate the fact that uh, we're going to record that we have basketball games on a Monday because that never happens. So we decided to record tonight instead of last night, and uh, I'm just super pumped about that fact. I don't know why I got so excited over it, but I am joined tonight by my good friend, as always, the illustrious Logan Jones. How are we doing, Logan? I'm uh, illustrious is (laughs) what they call me. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm glad we decided on tonight too, because uh, after some of the events that just occurred moments ago, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it, I think cleared a few things up um, and, and brought, brought a few things to light in the three games that were played today. Um, but Logan, let's just, let's start big picture from like the top view, you know, the, uh, the 10,000 foot view or whatever. I don't even know what that for a term of phrase is, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but somebody knows what I'm talking about. Um, standings. Okay. You, have you, have you got the standings available? You want to take a look yep. at these standings with me? Uh, what, I, what to I, you I, if, is the, is the like, what has caught your attention as, as the last few games have transpired? You know, there's been some shifting in the standings. What, what's got your attention right now? What's got my attention right now is the Seattle Storm's gap between themselves and everybody else is bigger than we thought. Mm. Um, I thought, as well as I know you believed at the beginning of the season, that Seattle would be the best team um, and that they would be the one to beat, but there were a lot of teams that could do it. And honestly, after tonight, it's getting more and more difficult to see that happening. Uh, I, I would be, I would even go so far as to say that I'd be surprised at this point if Seattle did not uh, keep on uh, the pace that they're on and win the championship this year because of how easily they were able to handle the Chicago sky and because of how some of the other front running teams uh, stumbled a little bit. Yeah. Uh, with, with some other games in the last couple of days. So for me, the biggest takeaway, especially in regards to the standings, is uh, the Seattle, even though they're number one, just like we thought they would be, they're in a whole tier all to themselves. And there's, I don't think, any argument uh, for, for any team that they belong on the same level as Seattle right now. No, I, uh, I completely agree. Seattle at 7-1. and one, um, and their one loss was to that red hot mystics team that started out the season three. zero. that mystics team is also another intriguing element of these standings. They were at the top of the top of the standings at, you know, tied for first place. And now they're a borderline playoff team. Like that's how quickly the start of the season has kind of shifted for them. They've lost four in a row. Now um, they're three and four and just um, Washington's, not looking fantastic. Uh, Indiana seemed to have a pretty, pretty easy game against them. Um, it was actually it ended up only being a seven point uh, game at the end, but that doesn't that's not really indicative of you know when you watch a game 
there could be a seven point game that was close the whole way. And there could be a, a seven point game that like never felt close. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? It's kind of yeah. like, like that, like six to 11 point range for some reason to me is always like, well, that's not super telling of how close the game really was. Cause you, yeah. you well, never know. We've always, we've all watched basketball games that are just one possession games the whole way. And then as soon as the team goes up by like six, it's like, that's insurmountable. Yeah. Because the whole game has been so tight, suddenly it's like, oh, that's they, you know, they won it. That's too much, right? But we've also we've also seen blowouts that in the last like minute and a half, there's been you know the other team hits like four buckets and all of a sudden closes the gap and makes it a six point game. You know, like there's there's some of those. So uh, that Washington Indiana game seemed like that uh, that was played on on Sunday. That Indiana seemed in control really the whole way. I never felt like Washington truly threatened. Um, granted I wasn't in the arena, but spectating it myself, um, even as the mystics would make pushes to bring it close and cut the lead down. I never felt like Indiana was out of control of that game, which surprises me because Indiana, in our opinion, in our witnessing, uh, the last several seasons seems to just no lead is ever safe. Is is how we over is how we feel when it comes to Indiana. Is that they can never be up by enough to be comfortable. Um, but yesterday's game was kind of the was contrary to that. I thought that they they handled themselves really well. Kelsey Mitchell went off for twenty nine. Um, it was a solid game. It was a really really good game. But the Mystics dropping to three and four and you know being you know in that uh, they them and Indiana tied at at the same record in that seven and eight seed. It's a pretty pretty drastic fall from grace, um, to say the least, of the Mystics. So let me ask you this, Logan. After seven games of Washington Mystics basketball, are the Washington Mystics a playoff team? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get in. Uh, I think my answer is yes, but I don't know, Kyle, because <laughs> they're <laughs> losers of four in a row after after starting off hot, and I think uh, losing that mojo here as some other teams start to pick up. Uh, I think Dallas is picking up. I think Indiana is starting to figure things out. Atlanta's been dangerous to almost everyone they've played. Uh, they've lost their last five in a row, the Dream have, but it feels like every game they're, <laughs> you know, they're pushing uh, teams to their maximum. So I, mm. I wouldn't necessarily count them out quite yet. Um, there's really nobody you can count out yet, except that the Liberty lost a heartbreaker to Vegas. Oh, that was a... That was a tough one. And I, I saw that the Liberty basically called a, a team-only meeting. Uh, they, they put their heads together and said, this isn't who we are. You know, we're 0-5. We're we got to get it together, and we want to be something this season. They went out and won their first game after that meeting and then stuck with the ace. They actually led the aces. Uh, if, if that game was 10 seconds shorter, they win it. Um, but Asia Wilson hit a clutch bucket on one end, and then if – if that game was a second longer, oh, they would have. Or if the clock, team. or the if the person <laughs> main, you know, maintaining the clock. Right, uh, there was the, the, the clock of basketball. at the end, which was bad. Um, they had four different tries <laughs> to inbounds the ball and get, get a shot off. And one of them, they actually got a bucket to go through, but it didn't count because the clock operator was a little jumpy. Uh, so they, they lost a heartbreaker. And because there are so many other teams down in this you know 7 to 11 range uh, ahead of them, it's it's hard for me to see the Liberty climbing back into it, but they're you know things can still go their way, but they got to really take charge, and they they haven't really impressed me as much as teams like say Atlanta, who 
despite being two and six, I think is, you know, kind of a spicy matchup for, for a lot of guys. So I, I know I, I actually like that you brought that up because I feel like Connecticut and Atlanta, even though they're at two and six, I think I might take any one of those three over any of the three win teams, which are Washington, Indiana, and Dallas. I feel like Connecticut and Atlanta, Atlanta's played tough. Like they would, they're two and six. Would you put those as your seven and eight, right? If if you had to predict the end of the season, do you think that's where they end up? I think that Connecticut's going to make it uh, based on what I've seen the last, you know, the last couple games from Connecticut Um, and either Atlanta or Indiana. I'm not, I'm not positive that Dallas or Washington is going to have enough to, to make the, the playoffs there. So, yeah, I think, I think that's probably smart. I, the, the ones that are, that we all thought were going to make it before the season were the mystics and the sun, despite losing a lot. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm looking at it, I think the mystics, I, I would favor the mystics getting in over the sun. If I had to bet. Um, and I don't know if the sun can, can hold off an Atlanta dream team. Once they, once both these teams really hit their stride, um, I think Atlanta's been in so many close games that eventually some of those are going to fall their way. Um, right. So I, right now, and Dallas has been actually fairly good too. So it, the, the seven and eight discussion is a lot more interesting than the number one discussion right now. Uh, and there, there's still a frenzy of teams trying to make it in, but that's definitely one to keep an eye on. The sun obviously been uh, deep in the playoffs each of the last couple of years. It would be shocking to see them not make the postseason that would be really interesting yeah i would i i would be surprised at that um so somebody else i want to bring up real quick is is minnesota um minnesota took a big big time loss uh on sunday to the sparks the sparks just kind of ran over them um that being said i really liked what i saw from uh from a couple of the Lynx players obviously crystal dangerfield dropping 29 as a rookie um is really really solid i think i really like that uh that minnesota's playing uh, lexi brown and crystal dangerfield in the backcourt at the same time a lot of times they were kind of splitting that point guard duty i love that they're on the court at the same time um because dangerfield had a really solid game um you know, one of the best rookie performances that we've had so far this season um, against arguably one of the best teams in the league uh, this season. So um, I was really impressed by that. I don't know what to make of Minnesota yet. I always have a hard time thinking negatively about Minnesota because I feel like, I mean, Cheryl Reeve could have a bunch of like fifth graders on her team and she would still probably pull together like a borderline playoff team. Like I, I feel like she just she has that like ability to get the most out of out of what she's got. Um, and you know, with Sylvia Fowles sitting out, I wasn't surprised that they lost to the Sparks. But you know, you add Sylvia Faust to that game, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a. I still don't know if I have Minnesota winning, right? I don't know if she, yeah. if she makes up that that huge of it. She might. She's playing borderline MVP discussion, but I don't know. I I just 
I don't know what to think about Minnesota. They're the biggest question mark. They're sitting in like second place right now, and I'm still so confused about this team. Is that is that weird? No, I I've kind of avoided talking about Minnesota on our last couple episodes because in my mind I've kind of counted them out, and I keep thinking like, you know, they're off to a pretty good start, but they're going to settle into the the five or six seed, and because I don't think they're a top three or four team. Uh, but they keep hanging in there at five and two. And now one of those two losses is to the Sparks without Minnesota's best player in the game. And let's be honest, the Sparks have their number for the last couple of years anyway. Right. Um, and they always seem to get up for that game. So, yeah, uh, I, in fact, the, the Sparks and Lynx are basically the inverse of what I thought they would be at this point in the, in the year. Only one game separates them. So it's not like it's that big of a margin, but I, I thought we would see the Sparks be up in the three or four territory and, and Minnesota kind of fade towards the back of the group. But uh, so far, they've been able to to stay out in front. Um, I agree. I think the, the problem is Candace Parker, who is an MVP candidate, I think, played in this game. And Sylvia Fowles, who also is, did not. Um, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. I think if you're going to take one headline away from this weekend that applies to all the games, it's that you're only <laughs> you're never going to be better than your best player. Um, New York missed Sabrina something fierce. Uh, Chicago tonight in a game I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. Every time Vandersloot wasn't on the floor, it seemed that things just fell apart for the offense and the defense. <laughs> um, they just they looked like just a completely different team uh, without her basically being the floor general for that uh, for that squad. Um, the Chicago has been hurt by some injuries as have obviously um, the fever don't have everybody on their squad there with them yet. Kennedy Carter got hurt, um, rolled an ankle three minutes in. Sabali looks like she just, you know, we'll see what happened with her ankle. I don't know why three of the four top draft picks of this season are, you know, (laughs) uh, now injured with ankles. And then the other one, Lauren Cox, who was the number three draft pick missed the first several games of the season. Uh, Yeah. It's just, just, I wonder if the fever were just keeping Lauren Cox in like a hamster ball of protection just to be like everybody <laughs> there's something going around the rookies are all breaking ankles we we need you to stay up right um, well, yeah, after the after the games definitely. after the games today it's funny we bring that up because after the games today we actually saw courtney williams tweeted out like man this is tough she you know just having games every other day yeah uh she just said like it reminds me of playing aau ball but my legs don't bounce back like they used to you yeah. know and so it's, you know, here we've got three of our four top rookies uh, or top pick rookies uh, out with injuries. And then Sue Bird and Diana Tarasi out, right? Like it's just, it's, it's no, I, it's unfortunate. I think we will see a pretty drastic uptick in injuries this season, just based on wear and tear. I think that it's just yeah, going to be that difficult for them. It's it's pretty telling that uh, Seattle can withstand a Sue Bird injury and be seven and one, um, and yeah. still look like the contenders. They look because like. Jordan Canada stepping in is like maybe the third or fourth best point guard in the league, and she's right. backing up. <laughs> well, actually, and it's I, the injuries is a big headline. And I don't uh, necessarily want to jump off of that too early, but something that James Wade said tonight really stuck out to me. This I was reading quotes on Twitter after the game. Um, he said, we wish we had somebody that could step in um, 
for, for Vandersloot. When Vandersloot is off the floor, he said, we wish we had somebody that could fill that void. And the difference between them and Seattle right now is Seattle has the players to, to fill that void. They also mm-hmm. have the most unstoppable player in the league, um, right. who Chicago was not able to, to come up with a solution for. But I really think that made the difference tonight. That, like, that's a game I really looked a lot into and saw a Chicago team that I thought really had a chance to be the second best team in the league committing dumb turnovers, uh, looking directionless on defense, not getting out and guarding the perimeter, uh, no no rhythm to their ball movement when Vandersloot wasn't out there with them. Um, and that it, it, they looked like a team that would be two and six right now. Um, that, you know, Seattle does that to everyone, but it's it's impressive that Seattle was able to do it without Sue out there. Um, and that's that's kind of just who that Storm team is. And that's why I think they're the clear front runner. But Anyway, that that was too much of a rambling recap of what happened tonight. But that the Seattle Storm Chicago Sky game we all thought was going to be one of the closer matchups of the last couple of days, uh, instead turned into a blowout just because it didn't look like Chicago was ready for it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty well uh, pretty well stated there. Um, I'm just there's. I, I was really nervous as I was watching. I, I want to go back to this Las Vegas and New York game. I was really yeah. nervous watching this game, um, especially down the stretch, because here I in our last episode I talked about how you know Las Vegas is probably, in my opinion, the second second best team right now. You know who I'm who what I'm, I like what I'm seeing out of Las Vegas, and then they almost dropped a game to New York. <laughs> Which made me so sweaty. I was like, "Oh, of course!" Like I jinxed him, like really bad. Like could have been, could have been awful. Um, what's crazy is, is I really do think that they they are a really really solid team. I really like what I'm seeing, and I think that Asia Wilson is probably the one B in the MVP discussion right now. Um, but isn't it's just wild to see that? Yeah we were kind of counting New York out and then all they've done since we basically were like, well, we don't know when they're going to win again is they won a game and then nearly knocked off and maybe should have knocked off the number two team in the league right now, Las Vegas. So I guess maybe the separation between, you know, two through 12 isn't necessarily as great as we originally thought, but I do think Seattle's kind of in a, in a tier all their own. Yeah, but the, speaking the that, oh yeah go ahead that really sucks about that liberty loss is like i said they i think after that meeting that they had with everyone where they decided like let's let's not be this oh and four team like let's do something about it i really think they were collecting some momentum and a win against the aces probably wouldn't have hurt las vegas that much in the long run but it's a huge leap to getting new york in the playoff discussion in just just getting some sort of i, I some sort of confidence in, in a young group that they don't mm-hmm. have to be afraid and intimidated by other teams. Uh, like we stated that even though they lost, I think Atlanta was able to accomplish that uh, in their tight one against the storm. Yeah. Liberty really needed that. And instead, because of the way they lost, I don't know if coming that close really accomplished much for that team uh, just because it was so disappointing. And now, like we said, you know, a minute ago when we were talking about who's going to snag those seven and eight spots, it's probably going to come down to a game. You know, this this is a 22-game season. 
whoever misses the playoffs is going to miss it by a game. Yeah. Uh, and it, you have to have games like that in order to, to be on the inside uh, and not be left looking in at the, the 9, 10, 11. It's, I, I feel like this is going to be an extremely close, close season. I, I feel like Seattle's probably going to stay number one. New York probably going to stay number 12. It's really anybody's game the rest of the seeds. Like, I really think that 1 and 12 are probably my most sure guesses. Everything else in between, I've no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, as, not as sure. I mean, look at Phoenix, for example, who's won four of their last five, and their only loss came at the hands of Seattle. But they also are missing Diana Taurasi. Um, so they're missing Taurasi, but then that kind of made, you know, Griner and Skydig stepped up this game you know this last game um in fact even in a not just you know in the box score but in the huddle um holly Rowe was reporting that you know that generally griner has been a pretty quiet player and hasn't you know stepped in and done a lot of like the vocal leadership in the huddles and whatnot because it's hard to do that when you've got diana tarasi who you know is is you know probably more vocal than your own coach um but with with Tarasi out and not even in the in the building, um, Griner stepped up and was kind of taking taking charge in the huddles uh, as kind of that Phoenix veteran. Um, and then you have Skydig who stepped up and and I think she had like twenty six uh, in their last game. So I mean it's I, I it's hard to say. They're sitting at four. There's there's four teams with five wins right now. Phoenix yeah, is one was, of those. And I was about to say the uh, the race for the second seed, which matters because if the playoffs are going to double by, yeah, if they're going to follow some semblance of their regular format, getting those top two seeds gives you almost an automatic in into being a in a in a finals run. Um, yeah, and, and so there are four teams with five wins. The Sparks are a game out of that that second seed. The Mystics are two games out like the the fever are three and four and technically two games out so yeah <laughs> like even though we have feelings about how those teams will end up 10 games from now and 15 games from now you catch uh, a little hot streak that yeah, bumps exactly. you up like and it could be it, it could be anybody like the mystics for all we know are not a great team but because they kick off the season three you know they have some some wiggle yeah uh, to lose four games in a row and still be in the hunt and other teams just eliminated that wiggle room for themselves right off the bat. And are like now Connecticut. Right Connecticut bottom. has to perform really well moving forward in order to climb. Now, I'm not saying they couldn't pop up and be a five or a four seed even. Um, they very well could be. They're that kind of they're, – they really are a solid team with a lot of talent. Um, and they seem to be kind of figuring it out. But they dug themselves too big of a hole to start. And so they have to play – like extremely good basketball and can't go on any even even minor losing streaks and still have a shot at you know a first round uh, a first round buy or anything like that you know they gotta they gotta play extremely extremely well moving forward you know what's interesting about the sun while we're on that topic because this yeah. is sort of an interesting segue into a topic i wanted to, to touch on next this can be a whole you can consider this a whole another segment of our podcast. Thanks for making it this far. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the MVP race. Yeah, let's. And I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I think you can make the argument that every every team in the top six right now has an MVP candidate 
with at least, you know, a fringe chance of making that argument. And yeah. then the sun down at 10. And then I don't, I don't think I'm missing anybody else. I don't think anybody on the fever dream, Liberty or mystics really have really have anyone that stand out as a real shot, but I think Connecticut and the top six teams all have somebody that they could put forward as like their champion player, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, which kind of gives even more credit to what you were just saying about the sun, just facing such a steep uphill climb being four games below 500 um, so early in the season. Um, but among those others, I, I would like to hear. I, I would like to hear your top three in in order. The, the way that we did our our top three teams last episode, uh, because I think mine have have changed recently, and I'm interested in hearing yours. Mm, that's tough. Um, I think my top three are are kind of obvious, but they aren't. I think the top three to me, I, I can say they're the top three without like qualification. But that being said, my four and five are like right there, like really close. <laughs> I, I, I feel solid about my top three, but I also feel solid about my four and five too. Um, so in order, I'm probably going Bree Stewart at one. Asia Wilson at two and uh, Courtney Vandersloot at three. Now Vandersloot's sky team is the five seed right now. And they just took a pretty solid beating by Seattle. But I think what we learned in that game is just how valuable Vandersloot is. Um, Because when she's on the court, it's a totally different Chicago team than when, than when she's off the court. Uh, it just, yeah, it, it seemed like the wheels, the wheels kind of fell off every time she, she left the floor, uh, tonight. Um, now she's not a big, here's my, my only hesitation there with my only hesitation with, with Vandersloot is that she hasn't been putting up a ton of points, but she's a huge difference maker on the floor. Um, I feel like her and probably like a Sylvia Fowles, who's, you know, uh, out Sylvia Fowles is is uh is probably who i'd have at my four and then griner at my five with candace parker at six is probably where i'm going with that um in that order um but griner and fouls i think are right there uh candace parker was a one assist away from a triple double the other night um but candace parker's not in the top 10 in the league in points per game right now and i feel like you got to be top 10 to even be in this in the discussion for MVP, unfortunately. So anyway, that's where I'm sitting right now. Um, I think Bree and Asia are extremely close. I think there's a slightly bigger gap when you drop to Vandersloot. Um, I think the gap between Wilson and Vandersloot is my biggest gap. I'd say Vandersloot, Fowles, Griner are all pretty close. Yeah, but, those are definitely. Those are definitely the names, uh, and I'm sure everyone's got them in a different order. But I, I think I've got it in almost the same order as you. I, I do have it, Bree Stewart, and then Asia Wilson. I do have a gap there. Uh, a lot of people don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do, uh, because Seattle just handed it to the second best team in the league, and Vegas almost lost to the worst team in the league. <laughs> at Thirty-one points from Asia in order to overcome it. 
But um, I have a hard time not putting Candace Parker up there in number three. Um, and it's, it's tough because of what we always say about the Sparks, which is they don't really look the part of, you know, the bully, the team that everyone's afraid to play. But mm-hmm. every time I see a Candace Parker line, I just think, well, <laughs> she did it again. She's playing extremely, um, extremely well. She's, she's the other one besides Bree Stewart that I feel like could go for like 25 and eight a night and everyone will be like, of course, because it's Candace Parker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's averaging, she's averaging a double double on the season. She's yeah. one of three players averaging a double double. So yeah, it's, I, she's, she's putting together some good basketball. I, I definitely, if, if I were to guess based on the play of the prominent players alone, uh, I think Chicago will still be okay, but has some major flaws to fix if they want to contend. And I think the Los Angeles Sparks will begin to float to the top of the standings in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, four and three isn't a bad record by any means. And I think they can they can knock off basically every team below them in the standings right now. Uh, I, I have a really hard time seeing them beating the Sparks. So, right. Uh, well, their next wild season, you never, yeah. I mean, Their next game is against New York, which should be a victory, right? right? Um, And then after that, they've got the Mystics. And I think that that they look much better than the Mystics right now. Mystics are not looking like the team that we saw the first couple games of the season. Yeah, I really – the way the Mystics have been playing, you wouldn't expect to see them in the playoffs when all is said and done. Mm -hmm. So those are are my three – and I picked uh, Vandersloot to be named MVP in our preseason show. And I feel like in some weird way, I didn't jinx her specifically. Um, but like, if anything, as, as you said, tonight kind of proved her value when she's on the floor um, versus her absence uh, and the problems it creates when she's not on the floor. Uh, and we keep going back to it just because it was such a stark, obvious thing when, uh, when watching that game. Um, and just and just reviewing that game, how you know she's the glue that's keeping everything in that in that locker room together. Uh, they also missed not having Steph out there. They don't have a great post defense. Mm-hmm. They've got other problems that aren't Vandersloot related, but um, she's really the keystone that's holding it all together. So, uh, in the true definition of most valuable, I, <laughs> there's certainly an argument that she does the most for her team. Uh, but I'd like to see Chicago go out and beat a really good team convincingly before she's back at the, you know, the front two or three people. No, I, I, I feel you with that. Um, so I'm curious. So you say you feel like there's a pretty solid gap between Bree Stewart and Aja Wilson, right? Uh, now, I Sten- uh, no, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I had, I had Bree Stewart above Asia as well. I just want to play devil's advocate for just a sec. All right. Um, so I'm just curious as the reason for having Brie with a pretty significant gap between her and, and Wilson, because Wilson is leading the league in points per game right now by a full two points. And then is also f- averaging nine rebounds a game to Bree Stewart's eight rebounds a game. So I'm just curious to like kind of where, you know, she's got her by two points per game, over two points a game, and a full rebound per game. Just, just stats. Now, stats don't tell the whole story, so that's why I want I'm, – I'm inviting you to kind of give me what's, what's the story that is, is allowing Bree to kind of stay at our number one spot. I have her there because of, because of watching games and seeing just that no team is able to deal with Bree Stewart yet. Mm. Uh, I, I think 
especially over the next stretch, I think the Aces have an easy schedule in the coming week. They play, you know, three teams I think they should beat, uh, maybe even four before they get to Chicago, which is a tough test. Um, but we're going we're gonna to be having this argument a lot over the next two weeks, I think, between Stewie and, and Wilson. <laughs> I don't think anyone that the Aces are going to play in the next little bit are going to be able to slow Wilson down either. But ultimately, I, I keep going back to it. Um, I, I just don't see how you can stop Bree Stewart inside. And, and if you do go and overload the inside with defense, stop her from stepping. She, she went out and hit two of five three-pointers tonight. Um, like, she, she can just do it from all over the floor. Um, and, and she just, she plays a much different style basketball, obviously a different position entirely than Wilson. Right. But, um, I, I <laughs> there was something going on on Twitter today about who the, you know, Asia Wilson should be the face of the league. And I kept thinking like, I thought she kind of was like, I, I know we've got this old guard, <laughs> Sue Bird and Diana Tarazi, um, thing, but I, I really think Asia Wilson and Bree Stewart are the faces of the league. Right. I think she's already, I think, there. I think Deladon sitting out this season, I think yeah. I, I felt like Deladon was the face last year and that Asia was kind of coming into her own. You know, we had Stewie, but then she was gone. And so Deladon stepped up into that role um, with Deladon not playing this year. I think Stewie, it's, you know, kind of hers to take back at the same time. Asia's had her momentum, you know, moving forward and, and is, is making a big case uh, to kind of be that face. But I would say, yeah, they, they, those two, kind of are uh that that next generation they're only a couple years apart in their um in their draft classes you know i think what four years apart in draft classes and so they're they're kind of a similar generation of player um but yeah and they're both they they both are are pretty media friendly you know they both are are people who you can put in a commercial or put in front of a crowd and and will do really well and this this is unfair to Asia, but the thing that separates them right now most of all is that Stewie's done it before. Uh, True. And and like Wilson could make a run at the championship and an MVP this season, and then suddenly it would be just as easy to picture like, oh well, they've both won it, they've both proven they're dominant. It's very mm-hmm. 50-50. But right now it just feels like at seven and one with the <laughs> just the butt kicking that Stewie handed Chicago tonight, um, I just I can't put anyone above her. Uh, and just FYI, I just did a little bit of research a second ago. Uh, I think anything can happen. Even the really good teams don't win every single game. That's just not what happens in the world of sports. But uh, the Storm and Aces are about five games away from facing each other, and both have soft schedules until that game. So both <laughs> you red hot going into that matchup. I'll, They're I'll, both... They both oh, currently not. have the biggest winning streaks in the league. With the Storms got are on a five game winning streak, the Aces on a four game winning streak. Warriors. They both have pretty soft schedules. They could be, they could between them, they might drop one game until they match up. I agree because I that, that could be a real possibility. I think the Storm will have something to say to the Dream when they face them in two days, uh, because because of the scare they got the first time. I. <laughs> I don't I'm not someone who expects the dream to once again be like oh well they almost had them the first time this time they'll do even better I think the storm are the better team and they will handle their business against right Atlanta. especially if if Kennedy Carter's still definitely you know yeah. out uh, and then they've got Dallas who's super fun but will be outmatched they've got Connecticut who's having a rough time right now uh, and won't have anybody in the middle who can deal with uh, Natasha Howard or Bree Stewart and then they've got the Liberty 
and then they've got the fever. That's the Storm's next four or five games. Next five games. Uh, hmm. and, then, and then finally the fever matchup. So that's obvious. I mean, so they're playing Atlanta, the whole... Connecticut, Dallas, and the fever. Yeah. Yeah. And you like, I get wow. that you can walk So they're the playing four of the bottom five. Yeah. Like you can walk through the whole season and say, like, oh, like Seattle is favored against all of these teams because they're the best team. But those right. are, as you said, the bottom dwellers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams that are struggling to find a footing. Um, Atlanta is the only one that has really given a team like Seattle problems. And I, I think Seattle will be ready for it this time. Yeah. Uh, and then the AC schedule isn't much more difficult. I, uh, you know, they've got fever and then a tough, a tough matchup with the Lynx, um, which, you know, on, I think the, the wear and tear of the season is going to start sinking in here if it hasn't already very soon. Cause the aces play uh, tomorrow and then, well, every other day. So they're they're going to be going every other day. Um, they just had that two-point win that they cut it close against with uh, the Liberty. And then they play Indiana, Minnesota, Mystics, and then Sky, and then Connecticut. Um, so those that's that's actually not as soft as I thought it was. Minnesota and uh, in Chicago in the next couple games for, mm. uh, for the Aces are both very interesting. So that is pretty tough. Shuffling <laughs> around at the top. Yeah, we'll see. So I, yeah, hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, this is really interesting um, to Are see. Are we going to see a, an eleven and one Seattle Storm team? That would be at the not definitely not out of the realm of possibility, and point of maybe not out of the realm of likelihood. <laughs> if, if if the Storm are eleven and one halfway through the season, it's time to start digging into you know how when's the last time we saw a team this good. This good, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Logan, I love love the discussion. Um, love what we've had uh, uh, as far as basketball the last several days. I'll I'll put it this way: I don't know how the players are even doing this. I'm just watching on my couch, and I'm exhausted. Like trying to keep up with all the games, watching as much as I can, and I'm getting tired. I can't imagine having to play all these games. And, you know, with practices and scouting and everything in between, um, it's got to be just absolutely exhausting. So, um, but thanks for uh, listening, everybody. If you want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. Uh, you can also check out our merch. Um, it's, uh, we have a Store Envy site. It's WNBANation.StoreEnvy.com. Uh, you can also, if you're looking to support the show in an additional way, go ahead and uh, hit us up on Patreon for just a couple bucks a month. You can help us uh, with our production costs, help us to get better equipment, uh, provide additional uh, coverage there um, so that we can provide better and better coverage of the best players in the world. Um, and there's some fun kickbacks on there. Uh, you know, that we try to hook you up and, and provide a little bit of value in return for your support as well. Um, but uh, yeah, anything else, Logan, before we put a bow on this thing? No, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, definitely keep following us on, on Twitter and the games uh, through WNBA League Pass. We're excited to bring you uh, more info as the season continues to kind of crystallize. Definitely excited to see what we're all wrong about in the coming week. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see Minnesota just go out and stomp like their next four opponents and be like, okay, I was gonna say, fine, and Seattle's going to lose like two of their next three just because we brought it up. So, <laughs> uh, but we'll be here for all of that, uh, and and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll continue to work out how we're going to organize these little uh, quick episodes that we've been sending out to you guys so that they're entertaining and insightful for all of you. And uh, just uh, keep up. Uh, if you have any comments for us, please let us know on Twitter. Um, yeah. You can answer any questions we ask each other on this show on Twitter, and we will get back to you and approve of your lists and retweet them to our followers and say, this is a good MVP list. So make sure to send us those. Absolutely. All right, everybody. For WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.